You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast, within and without. Welcome. Anthony, thank you so much for taking this time to have a chat today. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners and, and watchers of this podcast are really going to be interested in some of the information you have to share, uh, and, I, and I'm excited to dive into it. Um, to kick things off, do you mind just briefly introducing yourself, what it is you do on a day-to-day basis, what it, what it is you're really involved with? Thank, uh, uh, thank you very much for having me on. It's a great pleasure talking to you. Uh, I am, uh, I'm from Germany, and I work as a professor in the northeastern part of Brazil. And uh, I, my, my area is basically macroeconomics, but I'm very much linked to the Austrian school, to the Mises Institute in the United States and the various other Mises Institutes around the world where I have also published more, most of my stuff. Okay, and you're currently living in, in Brazil. Uh, right. Yeah, okay, how long have you been living in Brazil? Well, actually, it is. Uh, it has been now twenty years. I I I, I came here on a very let's call it common in a very common way in an academic uh, exchange program, and for various reasons, I decided to stay here, and I actually don't regret it. Hmm. What is, what is it that you particularly like about Brazil that that draws you to to stay there for? Uh, well. Uh, Something that, uh, as a you know, growing up in Germany, I I always hated, is the cold weather. That was some kind of a, a paranoia for me f- from childhood on. So my vision in my head, as soon as I looked around the world, reading books and so on, someday I will live in the tropics in the south, uh, anywhere where there's enough sun and close to the sea, if it's possible. So this is the one of the reasons that I, I like. I like the climate much more than the uh, climate where there is cold. Yes. And uh, along with that, uh, I also have a feeling because of the nature of the size of, of the country, of the resources, uh, there's a feeling you don't need to worry so much. And this is somewhat paradoxical because when you're brought up uh, under, let's call it European or US American conditions or Western conditions, industrialized countries conditions, yes, you, 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 you are disciplined from, from the beginning. Yes, uh, and, and one of the strict rules of discipline is very deep inside, uh, winter is coming. Mm. Yes, and this winter is coming, of course, gives you a very strong feeling, I have to take care of the future. And it even starts with apparently small things. Yes, I, I remember uh, uh, when you go out, let's say in the winter, winter day, uh, <clears throat> at, at mid- midday, uh, the sun is shining and so on. So you have to think in a few hours, yeah, the temperature can drop quite radically. Yes, while here you don't even have to think, well, maybe I, I, I don't get home at night. You even can sleep sleep outside uh, all, all year through. And, but at the same time, as a, a person who grew up in Europe, you, you also have in yourself this kind of, of discipline so that you usually are doing very well. The first generation uh, that comes to these countries is doing usually very well because they have this inherited discipline, work ethics, you may call it, or care uh, about things. Yes. And at the same time, life is so much easier here. Yes. And mm. so, uh, well, it, 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 it goes away in the second or third uh, generation anyway. Yes, but the first generation who comes to these countries uh, usually has this. And, and the other way, it is also sometimes that when people from the South, let's call it the South, uh, the, the warmer climate, come, come to Europe, the first generation is usually doing very well because they now 
now they have to learn, and especially the kids of these of this generation is doing very well. That's an interesting phenomenon, I think, that I hardly have seen in 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 in, in the literature so much. Of course, they talks talks about it, but uh, that it's it's two sided, two sided, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now this kind of uh, yes, getting yes. along well. I get what you're saying, I, and even the. Joe Biden had this quote recently during the debates with Donald Trump in the United States where he was saying winter is coming. So to hear that, it's like, yeah, everyone's very familiar with that. And it does create this sense of rigidness almost. Yes. He being alleviated in, in a warmer climate with just a more of a laid back approach to life. I, I, I definitely sense that whenever I go traveling as well uh, to warmer climates. Um, I'm actually in, in Canada and uh, it's just the exact same here. So we, we go through winter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. And in the summer, there's it's this more relaxed feeling. So if that was sort of prolonged, it would be quite nice, I'm sure. I could, I could see why you're drawn to, to that type of climate. Um, so I wanted to ask about your, your formal education um, and, and why you chose to, to focus so much on economic, uh, economics. And, and that's macroeconomics as well as micro, I assume? Uh, um, mainly macroeconomics. Okay. Uh, that's a, a pretty good question, actually, uh, because when when I I grew up, uh, when I was young and thought about uh, what what I would like to do, uh, economics did not enter my life. Yeah. I was very much interested in in poetry, in music, uh, and philosophy and languages and when i thought about it i always thought okay also in combination with foreign countries to become some kind of foreign correspondent uh, uh, some kind of journalist and so on so um, actually i <clears throat> I, be, I i started out to 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 study languages at first because that was most my main interest, and uh, I, at that time uh, in the early seventies, uh, it was so easy to change subjects. Uh, it's no longer the case. So you choose something, then you decided you move to another area, and so I said, okay, maybe uh, especially. Uh, thinking about a career in journalism it could be quite well to add to add law and economics to it so i changed the subjects and law and economics became my main areas and languages and philosophy my minors and after a while i noted that doing both economics and law was a little bit too much uh, in terms of time and uh, I, I fell, I really fell in love with economics. Now, I, I really began to like it. I had a pleasure studying it. So it was actually a very natural way to, to specialize in, in economics without, without uh, losing my interest in philosophy, in politics, in languages, in literatures, and, and so on. And also, really, the, the focus maybe has always been, I want something where I can live in other places. With law, you're very limited. With most of subject areas, you're limited. Medicine, it's very hard uh, to change because you have all kinds of recognition to get. But in economics, you practically work, can work uh, everywhere. And, and you're welcome because you bring in another perspective, an international perspective in, 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 the, in this modern world. So this was also a strong argument. Okay, with, with economics, I, I can go anywhere I want to and always find a kind of job it's also very easy to find jobs when you when you're a good economist so this these were the main reasons and uh, I, I i i never felt it as a a burden uh, to study economics it has always been a pleasure studying it yes mm. I, I i i read i continue reading in economics even there is no immediate necessity to do that just for the interest of it almost lar pour lar, so to speak. That's wonderful that you were able to find your passion in that way. And, and you were, I get, it, it sounds like you were confident in it. Like it was like almost a, well, once you eliminated law as, you know, being just, I could assume that it was going to take too much time to handle both, but 
uh, it's wonderful that you were able to, to make that switch and just stay the course and, and be with it for so many years because you can really master uh, something when you stay with it for so long. And that's partially why I asked you why you uh, are in Brazil at the beginning, because, you know, for being traveling different places, um, you know, throughout your life, it, just to land there and decide that that's going to be the place, it's, it's interesting, uh, interesting decision. Um, so where, where did economics bring you throughout the world in, in your studies? Well, I, 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 I've always felt that uh, during the studies, uh, compared to, to, to many other approaches, at least for the modern time, for our modern time, economics is one of the main keys to understand the world we live in. Uh, that, that is a very strong feeling that I still have. You, you can approach uh, problems, okay, let's say from a legal kind of aspect, from the physical kind of aspect, biological, evolutionary aspect, literature, philosophical aspect, but to really grasp uh, what is going on in our modern world is economics, is economics. And uh, I, I have in this way always enjoyed to visit other countries. Uh, one of my, my, my very first uh, trips uh, without parents, that's important, that uh, with, a, with a friend, uh, where we're, we're hitchhiking uh, through all of the United Kingdom. That was a great experience I had. Uh, so so you, you learn the language, you, 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 and it is, it is really traveling to understand and talk to people as a hitchhiker and so on. So I made similar trips to all of Northern Europe, of course, during the summertime, not in the winter. <laughs> and uh, I visited Spain and France and even made a long trip. I'm talking about when I still was pretty young, before 20, uh, a long trip to Turkey where I stayed with the families there for some time. And it was a great pleasure to come back to Turkey just uh, uh, two years ago and visit the same places that I visited as a, as a young, young boy. And, uh, and so I, 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 I adapted to, to, to see the world from, from, from different angles. And I think this is a very fine thing to do. And, and it, it's, it's very much needed uh, in our time to, to get this, this, this uh, aspect of traveling around, not as a tourist, but really as a visitor trying to find the countries. And it's getting rare. It's one of the bitter things with this pandemic or how they call it, uh, that, that they inhibit traveling and a, a whole generation loses these chances. It has already diminished because, uh, well, compared to, uh, to, to, to my time uh, as a very young person in the 60s, uh, you could actually, you felt, you felt safe. You felt pretty safe in Europe in traveling around, yes. And, and this has already changed in, in a certain way. And it has also gotten much more complicated in various aspects. So uh, th that is probably the loss, I feel, uh, uh, of, 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 of what has been going on over the past decades. Mm -hmm. and, and now, especially as you as you just kind of alluded to, it's, it's gotten a little stranger now for people wanting to travel, uh, restrictions. And, uh, you know, I'm saying this now, actually today, um, throughout Ontario in Canada, there have been new stay-at-home orders. So we're on lockdown, restricted, stay-at-home. You know, where, where I am in particular, most people don't really pay much attention to it. They still go outside. It really forces people to go for hikes more, which I encourage regardless. Anyways, go out and get some fresh air and deal with the forest. Yes. Um, yes. But I wanted to get your thoughts on something that you have been talking a lot about uh, through your various social media, like your Facebook and uh, and whatnot, is the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum. Uh, and I just want to get your thoughts on on this this whole thing that they've come up with. And, and as a as a sort of a side question to that, how they've redefined that word pandemic is the whole process. Well. Um the definitions are always important. And most people ignore uh, to check up uh, definitions. And with definitions, you change, you can change anything. You can change the statistics very easily by changing the definition of something you measure. 
and it's usually forgotten. Yes, and now uh, while before uh, uh, last year uh, uh, a pandemic was a worldwide worldwide health problem, which involved serious problems for the survival of people. Yeah, a virus that has deadly proportions and shows up in various parts of the world. Now, they simply, the World Health Organization, as, which is the organization that pronounces, that officially declares a pandemic, yeah, changed the definition. Now, the serious health issues were put aside. It is just some kind of health phenomenon that appears on a worldwide scale. In, in, this, in this way, yes, the traditional flu, yes, is a pandemic. I mean, imagine that is what happened. And, and, and I can prove this word by word if, if, you, if you want to see the documents. A flu is now a pandemic according to the definition. Yes, and this was done. The, the World Health Organization declared the existence of a pandemic. And there are uh, international treaties and accords. And according to those, the uh, more than 100 countries that participate in that are obliged to implement certain measures. Now, one can say a, a, an avalanche has been triggered. An avalanche has been triggered because of a, I feel, wrong definition. And once these measurements have been put in place, of course, there is some kind of obligation of the authorities to go on. And if I, I've, I've thought, where is the historical parallel? Yes, for that. And uh, you can forget about uh, the Spanish flu and all these things. These were already different. The, 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 the really similar uh, uh, event in history was the beginning of World War I. Yeah, that uh, all participating nations thought it was short term. In, in three weeks, we, maximum three months, we are back home again. Everybody thought we will have a great victory over the enemy, whoever that, that, that was for, for each other. And then they got stuck and they did not stop for four years. Although uh, everybody saw that it is an endeavor that makes no sense, absolutely no sense, that is highly destructive. And over the time, yes, anybody who said, well, people, you're doing something crazy, think about it. There will be no winner. Even those who will be declared victors thereafter are losers. Stop the craziness. We're persecuted. We're persecuted. Yes. And you have similar situation now. Yes. And it is getting ever more crazier. One can obviously say that countries uh, from Spain to Canada, yes, very different countries, are destroying their economies, are destroying the livelihood of many people, are destroying the way how people communicate, how they're used to communi communicate, yeah, are destroying the future of the young people who don't learn this important feature of social relations and so on. Yeah, and it is an absolute catastrophe that has been made by the politicians, by the leadership, by the governments in a similar way as it had happened in a very crazy form uh, in, the, in the First World War. And of course, one can also ask, this is a problematic question, just a question, yes, who is the winner? Now, who was the winner of the First World War? <laughs> None of the European countries, yes. It was the emergence of a new power, the United States. Now, it is easy to see 
when 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 all of Europe destroys itself, when Canada, the United States destroys it, itself, who will be the winner? Uh, it is also obviously to say yes, and it's so crazy, so absurd, yes, that it's really so absurd that the so-called authorities have to please, please don't talk about it. You cannot say that because just just saying that would make would 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 would. would Make it obvious how crazy, how absurd, yeah, the situation really is. Yeah, I feel like the ones that benefit from these type of things are the. It brings me to who's setting up the World Health Organization, who's setting up the United Nations and uh, uh, the World Economic Forum. Who is backing these organizations? Who's funding them? Because it seems to me like they're the ones, in often cases, that are reaping the benefits of, and it gets right into war. Uh, and you have this uh, this war machine that just kind of produces money. Uh, it gets really strips from the poor and gives to the rich. It just creates this bigger divide. Um, I think they're the ones that are winning, really. Those, those organizations that are funding and backing some of these global organizations. Uh, and then meanwhile, the individual countries and their citizens are, are kind of suffering from it. Uh, now, it comes down to the politicians, as you said. It seems like a lot of them are involved or patting their pockets perhaps in the process, but it, it seems very strange to me, and even I'm coming from someone who's going through this right now with this uh, stay-at-home order, that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the blue, it's like some new order command has come through, and I, I got a, an emergency text message on my phone that we get throughout the province, and it only comes in on the emergency line, and it says there is a stay-at-home order by law, and for that you know, I look at it and I have, I, I kind of chuckle because I don't, I take this whole thing as a silly game, a silly joke. Um, and, and I think it's something that humanity will evolve out of and, and come out of stronger in the end, uh, either through a, a rise in global awareness to these things, because that's all that I feel, I feel a lot of people are becoming more aware uh, of what's going on. Um, but what are your thoughts in terms of how people will, will get through this economically speaking, and especially because they keep pumping so much stimulus uh, and driving up the debt so much. I just want to get your take on it as an economist. Well, uh, unfortunately, I'm less optimistic. Uh, I, I wished I, it would be this way that, that these problems uh, create more awareness. Uh, but just to get back uh, once again to my parallel with the First World War, the First World War was so absolutely crazy that they had to, to find a peace treatment, a peace treaty that was even worse and that was the basis to have the Second World War. So uh, instead of learning, instead of getting inside that what they had done was so crazy that they did something even crazier still just to hide how absurd their action was in the past. And I fear similar things are gonna, gonna happen uh, after this type of crisis, which will probably last several years. It, it was promised it would, should be over in three months in, in, in March uh, 2000. Uh, uh, and, and now we are in 2001, a year later, more than a year later, and it's still going on. And they have these stricter uh, quarantines and other absurd measures. And uh, of course, I mean, <laughs> you cannot fight the flu with staying at home. And people, people actually lose their, the strength uh, of their immune system. It's just the contrary. I mean, it can well be that in the years to come, we will have really serious, uh, let's call it death waves, because the kids aren't prepared, they, 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 they gain their immunity, uh, joining with other kids. Uh, adults are not used to, uh, older people uh, have this lack of being exposed to sun that produces vitamin D and so on. So it, it, is, it is an absurdity, a complete absurdity, not just detailed absurdity that in life always happened, some aspect of one's life always has this kind of absurdity absurdity, whatever it is in the individual case. Yes, but this is, is almost complete. So I'm not so optimistic that people will get inside. Let's hope so. That's why we do these things. That's why I'm active. I mean, uh, I say, okay, we have to go talk on, we have to, 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 to uh, spread the, the message. 
and hope some more people wake up. Of course. Okay, let's hope that. But now comes the next wave. And this next wave is because first governments destroyed the economy, brought down the economy. Yes. Yeah. Brought the horse that drags the cart to the ground. Now they come with another injection, the, the mega injection, uh, the mega syringe. Yes. And that's called stimulus. Now we have to stimulate before we almost killed the economy. Now it's almost dead and now we need a stimulus. I mean, doesn't anybody see how crazy that is? Yeah, how absolutely crazy that is that government destroys the economy because of some fantastic declaration that the flu is a, a pandemic. And then when the economy is down to its knees, people are out of work. They come with another injection called money. Now, of course, money is a certain stimulus. It is liquidity, liquidity, liquidity in the same thing that some alcoholic beverages can be called <laughs> liquidity. Yes, they stimulus for a night or so, but uh, th that's about it. It is not a solid recovery. And this will happen. So what we probably see is that in Europe, they're doing the same as in the US. Uh, they're preparing huge government stimulus programs that will have a short-lived effect uh, and uh, will be celebrated. Yes. And then after a while, they will note uh, it doesn't work anymore. Now, Craziness produces craziness. Now, instead of saying, well, maybe this is the wrong policy, they say, no, we must go on with the stimulus. <laughs> the, stim the old stimulus is coming to an end. We have to have the next stimulus. So they're running from, from stimulus to stimulus. Yes, uh, 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 and it's always the same. It's, it's a little move upward and down again, move upward, move down again. And in the end, the economy weakens. Yeah, ever more, the structural basis of the economy crumbles. And one can see that already, that over the past decades, when we, when they, when in a, on a smaller scale, uh, these injection policies have been going on, that the level of productivity has been sinking and sinking and sinking. Yes, and our wages in the end depend on the level of productivity in an economy. So we have sinking productivity because of that. And now what has been missing as of now, until now, will later on emerge uh, without ado, uh, inflation. And when inflation comes together with stagflation, Yes, that is the point where even those who preach stimulus uh, policies have to admit that their policy have failed. And the typical way to lower taxes or increase government and so on to, to revive the economy will only produce more more inflation and not lead to a, a, a revival of the economy. So this is what is in the cards right now. Uh, the economy, however, is full of surprises. There can be special factors that are still not unknown. Uh, maybe even some countries may change uh, in their outlook. Maybe you are right, hopefully, that more people become aware of the situation, how it really is, and uh, we will stop the uh, insanity. But uh, I fear it will, be, it will go on for quite a while and uh, uh, end in a, in a global catastrophe, in a real, real big catastrophe, economic catastrophe. And historically, it has, you can go back hundreds of years, <clears throat> Periods of inflation, price inflation, have always coincided with revolutionary periods. So probably this will be what will happen as of now, as you notice, 
even we have these problems, politically, it's still relatively calm, relatively calm. But when inflation comes, all these spent-up tensions that have been brewing for decades will explode like a volcano. And this will probably happen. So we will experience uh, in the years to come uh, immense social movements, political movements, revolutionary movements, yeah, that are just mind will be mind blowing, I, 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 I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I suppose when I say there'll be a, a, or there is a rising awareness to it, is because of these conversations that we're having, and because of, I've, I've seen you on some other podcasts as well. Um, because the pace of technology and the ease of, of access to information that's not the mainstream media, that's not the mainstream narrative. Uh, I think that there's, there's so many people that are more shifting in that direction because they see the insanity of what, what you've described. They, they see it. It's, it's very clear to them. Uh, you know, some, they're still not, they're going along with it. They're going on with the, ins <laughs> the insanity. But I think there's quite a few people uh, in the younger generations, especially that are, uh, and the way I see that a change would happen is that those people start to take action, just as you're taking action now in this conversation, and I am too, but other people may start to take action politically or uh, create their own organizations or create their own disruptive technologies that are going to evolve the way we do things. Uh, and I think put um, a wrench in the gears of whatever plans this great reset had in place of build back better, which I think is, is a, a hilarious phrase as well. Um, but I'm optimistic in that sense. I'm optimistic of, of the the evolution of, of the human being in that way. And I don't think that, um, I think it's gonna be a surprise in, in a way. I think everything that you're saying is gonna happen, but I think there's gonna be this, this boom of, of consciousness evolution that's going to, to sort of raise the, the, the level of awareness of people. And, and we're gonna get past all of that. And it, it could take a while, it could take eight to 10 years. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised, but um, in terms of our children's children and our children's children, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic in that sense. Uh, I'm not so much pessimistic. And I suppose you have to be, or else you're going to go around with a, a frown on your face about it or, or wear a mask and no one can see. Um, so I want to ask you about uh, philosophy, because I was watching something else, you had, uh, another podcast you were on, and you described yourself as sort of um, an anarchist in, in your philosophical way of thinking. Uh, can, you, can you elaborate on that a bit? Is that, is that like a correct statement as well? Well, uh, uh, now we are back to definitions again, uh, this, yeah. this problem. Yes, and of course, the term as it is usually used uh, uh, is, 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 is uh, wrong uh, of the original meaning because it actually means uh, to have a system without unjustified rulership. And um, so it's actually another name for liberalism. Now, liberalism uh, was occupied, yes, uh, especially in the United States. In Europe, they use it still in the original term as being the liberal person to be in favor of, of freedom, of liberty. But in, in, in the U.S. usage, and so step by step all over the world, even in, in all other English-speaking countries, it gets this connotation of actually being socialist, ever more socialist. The liberal is already uh, in the United States uh, something, someone who's at the Democratic Party and maybe he is at the uh, left-wing part of the Democratic Party. Now, uh, I think uh, <clears throat> that anarchism is the natural way of, 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 of living, uh, to have no authority that is not uh, justified above yourself, that you do not recognize as such. And uh, I, uh, there are anarchists, uh, let's say like, like uh, Noam Chomsky, who are more of the leftist side, who are more of the syndicalist side. They think more about a labor organization. Yeah, there's this, this strand of anarchism. But there is also a, a, a strand uh, that <clears throat> defines anarchism uh, together with, with free capitalism. Yeah, so uh, completely free private initiative. Yeah, one could say private anarchism instead of uh, social or, or communal. Uh, sometimes they call them the 
communitarians. Yes, and uh, maybe we can they see that anarchism, communitarian, and individual. Now, uh, in terms of the of the philosophy, maybe the the best expression was given by by Stirner, Max Stirner. Uh, 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 the, the, the one and, and his property. And the point is that the philosophical insight is that uh, human mind <clears throat> tends to have itself uh, ruled by false abstractions. These false abstractions are very strong. For example, nation, my nation, yes, yeah, my country, yes, uh, or even uh, the state, yes, uh, and all these kinds of, of abstractions, even further abstractions like family, yes, these are, they are more concrete, but they also have this kind of abstractness in itself. And these are uh, human demons, so to speak. They are the human demons. Uh, when, when, when one begins to think uh, uh, in these categories, yeah, like I have a duty uh, for my state or I must die for my country, yes, uh, you're trapped, yes, you, you become a slave, yes. And this, this really starts already on the level of the family. When you put the family above yourself I say, okay, I have to sacrifice myself for the family. It's just the first step to think I have to sacrifice myself for my country. And um, now this is the mental process. This is the mental process. And um, you have this, this form of I false identification, yes, that, that is so deep inside us, so deep inside us, Uh, that is really a, a hard work to, 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 to get free. Actually, as, 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 as in, in this sense, anarchism would mean people that act fully aware of their individuality and from their individuality, they are highly cooperative. Cooperative. Yes, this is a strong point, yes, that uh, 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 this way, do I cooperate, yes, or do I submit? No? And um, we, we have many uh, anarchistic islands, in, even in our modern society, yes. So, for example, uh, <laughs> as we have been talking about my childhood and youth, uh, when I grew up, Yes, we had no, 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 no cell phone, uh, only a few television sets around and so on, and, uh, not, not in every household. Yes, but we, we made self-organization of our football games, of our soccer games, for example, uh, without a referee, without trainers. We had our own rule. Yeah, offside did not exist. It was too complicated to regulate. So you always had a lot of goals and so on. Yes, and one came together and, and it worked. I, I mean, it, it is what Hayek uh, has called spontaneous order, spontaneous order. And, uh, but on the other side, you still had and still have uh, everywhere this strong present of uh, the state and the belief in the state. Yes, people believed some uh, only 200 years or so ago, and in some countries even less, that a country uh, to maintain itself, society to maintain itself, needs a monarch. Yes. And uh, uh, up to recent times, they thought this monarch had to be almost dictatorial uh, rights to, 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 to maintain. And democracy was a very bad word. It was, was very dangerous. Democrats were dangerous people uh, in the 19th century still in most parts of, of Europe. 
Now, political thoughts have evolution, have an evolution. And um, so uh, the great problem for, for let's say, say, our time is the following. And, and this is very serious. The, the power, the potential of power at the level of what we call a state has become immense. I mean, it has been become clear with the nuclear uh, uh, devices already. Yes, that, that has been a lot talked about. But now in this crisis, we see that just a few men and women at the top, yes, can really with so-called democratic means in a democratic society with legalized means, yeah, terrorize easily, and I would call it a, a, a terrorization, yeah, all of the population. I mean, uh, this, this, in fact, the, the, the absolute king of, of the 18th or 19th century, 18th century, basically, could not do that now so-called democratic government can do. In other words, government, state, politics have become immensely dangerous, dangerous for life and liberty. They are dangerous institutions. Yes, they, they, and, and they are so dangerous that we have to get rid of them. That is what I feel the anarchist. Uh, intention, get rid of the state, get rid of politics, find as much as you can spontaneous order, a spontaneous order, order, it's not anarchy as they say, but order, order without rule, rule ruler, yeah, as much as you can, and look at how many islands of cooperation we already have, and always think that that competition and cooperation go always hand in hand yes i mean uh, before i can have a, a football match or any kind of sports event between different teams uh, i have to have the cooperation about the rules and so uh, the evolution, let's say, of a game like football, of a game like golf, was evolutionary. It came out of the spontaneous behavior. Okay, later on, it was, it was transformed into organization. Now, this is maybe the problem because the state is also an organization. Huh? How to get more back to the spontaneous organization and leave the spontaneous order and leave the organization more to the sides. And this would also involve smaller companies. The, the big companies, as, we, as, as you mentioned, that, that are now the power holders, yes, they thrive on organization. The modern state thrives on organization. Yes, that, that's the power of organization. And this is, this is anti-anarchistic. Organization is anti-anarchistic. Organization is hierarchical, is command order. Yes, it's not spontaneous order, it's not cooperative. Yes, and we have, we have walked into this tendency, yes, and, and have given ever more space for those who want to do it, who want to rise in an organization, yes, yes, to acquire ever more power. And now I think, uh, and this is where, where we fully agree, and I hope uh, we will move in this direction. So we have this inside. Yes, there will be conflicts, but from this, these conflicts will emerge a new way of thinking. In, and my hope is that it will be go more in the direction of spontaneous order of an anarchistic uh, order. Yeah, I, I, I will stick to the, to the word order uh, to, to distinguish this from disorder and uh, differentiate it especially as different from uh, organization.
And I, and I think it has to do in large part with people not being subservient to the, the I noticed in one of your Facebook posts, you use the term omnipotent state, which is yes. the state that can do all, heal all, cure all, has the answer, everything is solved. And then it gives, it gives that person this false sense of security where they can give away their free liberty, their free will. And they just start to kind of herd around like sheep and, and you know, and, and <laughs> I think this is something that people are waking up from, but, uh, it, it, as you as you said, and as, as I agree to as well, I think it's going to take some time. Um, but these conversations are really wonderful to have for that reason. Um, so I wanted to get uh, your closing thoughts on uh, where you do think things will go for humanity, uh, given all given the situation and given how active you've been in terms of creating content with other with other podcasts and with your posts and, and your articles. Uh, do you think that? I suppose. Do you feel that uh, we're we're going to kind of come out of this in a way that allows people to to go in the more more in the, the direction you just described with with order but not so much hierarchical order um how would you see that coming to be it is really my question well um <clears throat> the way history works is very strange as we know uh, uh, when you study history uh, it is full of turns and setbacks and after all, nevertheless, there seems to be a kind of moving forward. And uh, I would say that maybe even under our present uh, conditions, as the, we, we, we at least in, in this uh, specific period, we have a higher standard of living and more opportunity to express ourselves. And so we also have, while the state has had this immense empowerment. We always see, especially since the, the internet, yes, also an individual empowerment uh, as a countervailing power. So in, in this respect, the whole situation has also the parallel to the age of reformation. The age of reformation probably would never have been uh, happening, uh, would never have happened without the invention of, 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 of the printing press with movable types. Yes, this is the, was the internet at that time. Suddenly, even people who were very far off from any kind of knowledge and were dependent on the individual, typically a priest in the village for all knowledge, yes, uh, now had suddenly the access to different kinds of thoughts and also people who were the only way to become, let's call it intellectual, uh, before the Reformation was in Europe to become a member of the church. Now suddenly uh, it opened the path for the secular intellectual, for types like Voltaire, for example. Yes, and so we, we, we have had uh, also, that, that, that at that time you had absolutism, the, the, the highest degree of power, maybe in, in, in Louis XIV, yes, and on the other hand you had this new individual intellectual movement because of the printing press that they hardly could control, they tried to control it, in some countries they did, but those countries that did achieve in controlling the so-called mass media at that time fell behind economically. That was the interesting stuff. Yes, so in parts of, 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 uh, uh, of the Near East, uh, what was then uh, the Ottoman Empire, they, they achieved to prohibit the printing press, while in Western Europe they did not achieve it because we were splintered. Europeans were splintered, there were different counties, different states, and so on. You, not, you did not have a central power. That was the luck of Europe. Yes, uh, uh, to have a, a flourishing intellectual life that China did not have because it was under one rule. Yes, and the, the Ottoman Empire did not have because it was under a centralized rule. So cent decentralization is very important. And now, now is the interesting point because, uh, as you mentioned, these groups that maybe are behind what is happening now, yes, they want a world government. They want 
a centralized state. Yes, they want that the European Union gets ever more like a state and, and centralized and, and, and has a strong top. They want to create a, a NAFTA or something like that, where it is uh, under one at least economically and 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 a NATO system and the United Nations and the UNESCO yes all these elements where they can control nowadays of course at the global level you have to do it at the global level now i see more and more that one also has to fight these tendencies of of this decentralization centralization that comes along under very very uh, Uh, humanistic uh, uh, deceit, yeah, UNESCO, education, technological progress. But when you look closer into what they are up to, it is uh, terrible. It is it is uh, uh, horrible. And the same thing when it comes to the UN and some of these other and yes. health organization. And if you look into the even the individual members of these organizations and their backgrounds. When you go into that, it gets pretty exactly. Oh, it's getting uh, scary. It's getting scary. Their parents' backgrounds, you know, and yes. their grandparents' yes. backgrounds. Exactly. Um, yes. Not name any names in particular, but if someone just does a little bit of research and, and goes a little bit deeper on this stuff, you can find a long trail of, of uh, you know, even when it comes to human eugenics. Uh, it's pr pretty obvious. Pretty obvious. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thank you for taking this time uh, to have this chat today, Anthony. I really appreciate it. And maybe we can do it again sometime in the future and touch base. Hopefully things are a little bit better. Okay, uh, let's hope so. Yes, basically, yeah. I, I, I preach pessimism for people to get optimistic. So bad it can't be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's hope so. Let's go on. Yeah, and, constructive. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there any way someone can visit your website or, or your uh, any social media pages? Yeah, my 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 stuff is at uh, Continental Economics, www.continentaleconomics.com. My my website where I usually post uh, my my stuff. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks a lot. And I'll include all of that information as well. Yes, yes, yes. We'll have Up it. Date, uh, uh, publications and so on. Chat. I really appreciate okay, it. Okay, and links. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.